selling. If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Welcome back to Action Jackson. Tom Allen, he's Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up SP Futures up 11. We have, uh, but it says here, stack futures are flat Thursday as traders digest. Actually, not up 11. They're down 4. Dow Futures down 17. NASDAQ Futures down 9. We were up uh, last night. We are not up now, at least for the moment. Uh, do we have Mr. Uh, Mr. Lou? What a pleasure it is to hear Mr. Weber's voice. It is, I, isn't it? When I call in. It is, isn't it? It's a... Uh, he uh, he's still the best, isn't he? Even though we uh, yeah. we, we talk. Oh, and, and, and while I've got both of you on the phone, can I request that we we change our uh, our sign in or our, our promo spot at the beginning and use a few more quotes from Animal House? I picked up on using an Animal House quote with Kevin yesterday, and I'd rather have Animal House quotes than almost anything. <laughs> our, uh, our our man uh, Matt Byrne actually is. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Miss Matt Weber, but Matt Byrne has been very inventive in getting all kinds of quotes going in and out of the show. I don't know where he gets them, but he's been—he's—he been, he's, brought some some really good ones. Well, I have about a thousand in here, so I think I assume he's just pulling ones that he I must have be. in here. But it, but well, yeah, he, he, that's great. he had Dean Wormer on, yeah, and, and that's you know, <laughs> that, that, any of those quotes, any of those quotes would be perfect for the lead-in for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I uh, strongly. I strongly identify with Dean Wormer. <laughs> I uh, rather Dean Wormer than Flounder. Yes, absolutely. Or then again, you probably re- really wish you were Otter, right? Uh, no, I was never. I was never that guy uh, ever. Mister Smooth. Uh, no, Dean, Dean Wormer. Dean Wormer seems to be to be the, the sort of a classic lawyer prototype from the nineteen sixties. What was it? He was trying to pick up the Dean Wormer's wife. What did he say? The the cucumber was very. Oh, he picked the cucumber up and he said, "Mine's bigger." And she looked at it. He said, "Oh, maybe my cucumber, very sensuous fruit." She said, "Sensual." Yeah, sensual, you sensual. idiot. Yeah. <laughs> How many people even know the difference now between sensuous and sensual? Wouldn't they adverb? I, 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 I don't. I don't know, but it was. It was pretty. Uh, that was. That was a hilarious scene, and <laughs> of course, the ultimate denouement. God. The. Uh, um, well, that's anyway, one thing anyway, we'll never. Uh, lots of snow, lots of snow on the ground out here in Colorado this morning. Uh, you guys are what, one hundred and twenty-five percent of normal on snowpack? Something like that statewide. Yeah, uh, we're still we're still low um, out on the eastern part of the state, which nobody cares about because there's no mountains there. But uh, in the mountains, it's uh, it's looking uh, it's looking pretty good right now. But the uh, the the whatever they called it, the river that was. Bang in California like every week and a half is that's sort of that's stopped right. I mean, it just get back to sort of normal. Um, well, I know that I know that they you know they stopped having the um, yeah the Salin- and the Salinas River I think it is in Northern California that they, they've stopped uh, with the, the ringing every every other day there. Um, they're waiting now. I think I think most of the heavy rain stuff is gone, but they're waiting now for the snowpack to uh, start to at the milk uh, again. I listen to a couple of guys who are, uh, are 
commenting from Northern California, and Northwest been talking about how the idiot uh, California Water Management Group has has let something like ninety five percent of the water in Northern California coming down through uh, through the San Francisco uh, the Delta area around San Francisco Bay, but ninety five percent of that water go into the ocean when they had the ability to pump it, you know, pump it out into their irrigation canals, but they just elected to let it go because they've got some arbitrary requirement that and it's based on percentages. It's not based apparently on um, on actual gallons of water per minute runoff or gallons of water per second runoff, but they've got some percentage that they have to divert into the delta to protect some garbage fish. So they just let it go. And, and it's, I mean, it goes back, it goes back to what I, is my fundamental belief that a, a significant portion of the environmental movement is just anti-people. You know, they just don't want, they just don't want a lot of people around. So let, let's make well, it. Well, I mean, the, the, the biggest, put it this way, if there were no people, you wouldn't need an environmental movement, right? So, I mean, well, that's right. If, if it that's goes exactly with it. Right. And, uh, you and know. So, um, I'm, I'm, Anyway, that in California, they, they, some of the reservoirs are, are starting to fill up a little bit. Um, the big one, I think the Thoroughville, um, is only 65% capacity, but they think, they think a runoff's gonna, gonna help, you know, move some of that. But the, 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 the problem, Chief, is that, you know, we've had, what, five bad years, six bad years, yeah. and, and now we get one. It, it's not gonna. It's not gonna do it. It's certainly not gonna help uh, Mead and uh, Powell. Well, no. The California reservoirs will fill up a lot quicker. I mean, you're talking about eight, ten inches of rain in three weeks. I mean, it's it's. But they they actually were getting so much, uh, from what I was reading, that they were letting water out of the reservoirs because they were anticipating a way higher than normal snow melt. And they wanted room for the snow melt, or else you're gonna have floods all over the place. That's true. That's true for some of the smaller reservoirs. Yeah. Yeah, Oroville, Oroville's, that's not true for Oroville, but, but yeah, for some of the smaller reservoirs, they're, they're having to release water, and again, you know, they haven't really estimated their water management system there since I don't think the 50s, you know, and, and so they, they should be, they should be building, you know, larger reservoirs, they've talked about doing it, but they, every time, every time somebody says, okay, we've got the perfect site for it, the Army Corps of Engineers approves it, and, and it gets tied up in litigation, in in many cases, just pointless litigation, to shut it down. Because again, the the people, the people that are, are doing this and that are funded to do this, um, don't you know they don't they don't want more water there. They don't want the the ability of the state to support more people. Well, the that was all done. I'm gonna my decade could be off, but there was at least in the Los Angeles area. It was all designed by like one guy back in the thirties and forties that was a freaking genius, right? The all the all yeah. the in uh No yeah, oh no, it's a it's a masterpiece of of engineering. But they haven't paid attention to it and, and you know, they they talk about climate change, but I mean it this this has been going on since the you know, since the turn of the century. My so, uh we're talking about a family boom story best, boom best. way back in whatever the depression everything wasn't so hot here. And um, so my grandfather, who was <laughs> interesting guy, he he takes off for like a month uh, on the train because he worked for the railroad, so he'd have to he get tickets for free. He heads to California, like leaves the family for a month. My grandmother's told me the story, and 
because he was thinking maybe he should move the family to California because things weren't so hot in Chicago. So uh, they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly. Well, no, he Hill he went up there on the train and went Blue to Pool movie star. He came back and he <laughs> said, "There's not enough water out there. <laughs> We're not moving out there. Yeah. We're gonna have water problems. What do we do? At least we got water here. We'll stay here." <laughs> and they stayed here. Well, I, I mean, this is and and, and this is, you and I have talked about this many times. That the story of the West is the story of water management. Yep. And I have I have uh, friends, family down in New Mexico. Uh, down in the Roswell area, and you know they have, they have, that, that was a big environmental area where there were a lot of farming area growing almonds and a lot of other water-intensive crops because they had an aquifer that aquifer that could support it, and they they drained it, you know, and and so they're rationing water in those farms now, and you you're starting. I, I was talking to one of them who said, you know, we could we could see a dust bowl here in the you know, like in the thirties because we can't we can't keep water on the land uh, and our crops that we've planted here you know, for a generation or two uh, are now uh, now unsupportable. Well it, it is absolutely stunning, Lou, when you talk to anybody from the east or the Midwest. I mean I, I uh you know when I when I went out to Vegas of course I couldn't wait to well, I like to gamble and so forth, but I couldn't wait to get out to Hoover Dam. And as soon as I saw it, and I started reading about it, and we did some of this stuff in college, and uh, and then all of a sudden, I, I, it's, it's been a, I don't know why it's been an interest to me, but it is. And uh, and, when, and when I went to one of our biggest clients, we first started uh, PTI back in 1991, was from Arizona. And he was a mover and shaker kind of guy out there and owned all these properties. And he was a big developer, not as big as Keating, but damn close. And... Uh, he would he explained to me all about the, the the water in Arizona and how every drop of water that if you have a roof you can't have a gutter and you can't have a right. rain barrel because the rain that water does not belong to you it belongs to the what is it the uh, something Valley Reclamation District uh, Salt River Reclamation District right right that's in that's in Phoenix and, the, uh, the runoff off my house in the mountains belongs to some railroad that got the water surface water rights. Back in the 1880s, yeah. when they were mining gold in Cripple Creek. And when you, when you say to a normal person over a, a hot tea or a or a, an adult beverage, the thing they're fighting about, the fight on the water is between Denver and and Phoenix. They look at you like you have four heads. Like, what are you talking about? And in the, and in, in uh, Colorado, the fight is always between the North Slope or the East Slope and the West Slope, right? I mean, because in, in Denver, the reason why you don't have water is because you can't take the water from the West Slope as much as they, they'd like. Yet some places, if you go south of, uh, I don't know, hell, what's the ski resort? Uh, Breckenridge. If you take if you take the, what's the route? Is it 14 or 9? You go south. We went down, one of my buddies want to go fishing. This it's reservoir. 9, and it runs down through Alma. And, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, Alma and down into well, you, uh, Fairplay. Well, Matty, you squirrely over this, this thing, and, you know, it's this big, <laughs> you go way to hell up in the car. And my buddy, of course, wanted to go fishing. My idea of fishing is ordering fish at the restaurant, right? But the, so we go there, and there's this reservoir. But now we went over to Divide, so technically we're in the Platte River drainage and not the Colorado River drainage. And in the mountain reservoir is somebody had drilled a hole essentially through the mountain, and water was gushing from the west side to the east side. I don't. And if, did they sneak that one in, Lou? It wasn't that much water, but it was. You know, it was reasonable amount. They must well, have snuck okay. that one in. Because so, so, Denver, amazingly enough, 
most of Denver's water that comes and is used for like irrigation and lawns and everything else here, most of that goes back into the plat, and it, it's something like eighty percent flows back into the plat and then and then moves on through Nebraska and all that area to the Mississippi. Um, so it's a Mississippi drainage. Well, right, right. It, it goes into the Missouri and then and then into the Mississippi. But so so Denver, interestingly enough, is not. I mean, they, they work to conserve water, but Denver's actually not in a bad spot with regard to water, certainly not to the extent that, that the Colorado River downstream people are. Um, I, I think I mentioned that I had a client here who um, figured out a way, was a, was a very high-end chemical engineer, and he figured out a way to remove toxic metals and minerals from uh the water that collects in mines. And there are hundreds and hundreds of miles of tunnels really? and old mines cut into the mountains up by Breckenridge. And the water seeps into those things, uh, and, you know, it, it basically constantly refills. It ultimately will drain out, but a lot of it doesn't drain right away. So he figured out a way to pump the water out of the mines. With, I mean, pumping the water out is not the issue. It's the, it's the purifying it figured out a way to, to purify it at a large scale and started selling, I mean, he's selling something like 200,000 or 300,000 acre feet a year of mine water. And the and I, I, we were talking about this project, and I said, who are we selling it to? And he said, we're selling it to Aurora. So he's pumping the water out near Breckenridge. And, and I said, is, there's not a pipeline that runs from here to Aurora. And he goes, no. I pump that money into, or pump that water into the Dillon Reservoir. That's only that's as far as it's got to go. Once it goes into the Dillon Reservoir, it it just becomes fungible with all the other water in there. And so, no matter how much water is in the Dillon Reservoir, two hundred thousand acre feet of it is is the property of this this city on the east side of Denver. So it's and it's almost like they, electrical you grid. Know, you put pour. You put it into the grid, and yep. somebody can take it wherever they are, wherever they want. Exactly, exactly. It's it's exactly like that. And so he just, you know, they get this allocation out of that reservoir, and uh, and they, you know, he's he's added it in there every year. Um, so there's some very, you know, this is this goes back to a, to a theme that I, I think is is not really talked about enough, and that is the ability of our technological class. To solve problems, you know, if you if you if you make it cost effective, they can they can pretty much solve we, the problem. We are we are as a country. All you have to do is, is drive around. And I don't, I as much as people like to disparage younger people uh, or, or older people dropping well, that habit. But I mean, the fact is, we can do just about anything in this country if you give people half the chance. But we don't give people half the chance. I mean, it's uh, for whatever reason we. Hey, uh, before. Go too much before I forget about it. Uh, there was an article in the Trib. We talked about this last week a little bit. The other day, and of course, I, I subscribed to the Trib online, right? And of course, I still get the Sunday paper delivered like some schmuck. And uh, But, you know, the weird part, it's, it's totally useless online, uh, Lou, in a lot of ways, because they won't let me forward it to anybody for fear that the person I forward it to doesn't pay them, right? So anyway, there was an article in there the other day. Uh, a guy writes about these uh, um, flying objects were shooting down. And he was and he was talking about last year They're there were balloons, yeah. Well, I mean those happen to be balloons, but he said last year there were something like a hundred and 
60 reported things flying by. You know, like 80 we, of them were we launched, Yeah, we launched something like a 1,000 balloon, weather balloons a year. Yeah. And he said about like 80 of them were identified, the other 80 won't, it weren't. And some of them are commercial. I mean, uh, that, uh, and he said, but we don't really identify every single one that flies by. And uh, he goes, it, it's, it's, now everybody's looking at the sky and everybody wants everything shot down. <laughs> he goes, to, to try and manage all that countrywide is so bizarre. And then it turns well, out. Well, this goes this goes to something you and Kevin were talking about, I think, yesterday. And I and I want I, I want to just push this issue a little further. The, the real scandal with this whole balloon thing is our incompetent decision making and this idiotic, spas, sort of spastic reaction that we had once we had one balloon in our in our airspace. They should never have allowed. I mean, unless unless we have some specific, you know, intelligence reason to do so, and they ought to, they ought to talk about that, at least, in, a, in general terms, there was absolutely no reason to allow that balloon to drift over Fort Richardson with its, its ballistic missile defense system, over Isleson Air Force Base, which has major reconnaissance aircraft flying out of it, and, and F-22s, down across, across Canada, over the missile base in, in Montana, over the B-2 base in uh, Missouri, and then across Tennessee, over Oak Ridge. I, I mean, I, and, then, and then down it, you know, off the coast, and finally shoot the thing down. And then spasmodically shoot down three more balloons that, that just happened to appear, one of which was a legitimate, you know, hazard to air navigation. But this, this kind of crazy, again, with no explanation, no response. I mean, it, it is obvious, at least to me, that we were just making this up as we went along. Lou, it's, it's, and nobody it's, sat down and have, said, Let, let's think about this. You and I have talked let's about it. Well, not as much as... Let's put the information out to people about what we're doing. But, but we're not... I, I, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that this reflects the kind of decision-making issues that we're having with a, with a commander-in-chief who is adult. And I'm... I'm I will say that up front. I've been saying it for a while, and I I think that's probably the most sort of troubling aspect of this whole thing. Well, the it it comes down. I think a lot of it comes down to, and it, we've talked about it a little bit, but Jeff uh, Flanagan and I have probably talked about it more. Maybe Kevin, where this this whatever comes to the forefront in the public opinion, whatever lands on tweets, all of a sudden becomes a huge issue. This thing, you know, it, it, once once it becomes Viral, you sort of have to deal with it. I mean, are we are these days? I mean, it's all about you know somebody slugged somebody's wife. Well, people are slugging people's wives and well, slugging husbands. Well, husband. and that, you know, it's but and I mean, that's fine. It, but they track this thing. Well, they knew it was off track. They, well, they watched it. They yeah. watched it go up into toward Alaska. They could have said, "Okay, fine. Let, let, let's come up. This thing's going to violate our airspace." But when it does, what are we doing? Well, did you read now? The latest is that. They spotted the thing taken off from China. I mean, that's a, that's how much. That's why the one, one of the things about this, and I'm not I'm not happy about this thing grinding across here trying to gather information, but or whatever it was doing, which I think we probably knew what it was doing. Uh, and maybe maybe. Well, well and, and, you know, and chief, if it, 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 it's hard to imagine, just you and I talking, how unbelievably sensitive some of the stuff that we would do 
to that balloon actually is, or we could get from that yeah. balloon. And and I mean, I, I will just tell you, we had in, in the eighties when I was when I was flying. It was this is not a secret. We had the ability to insert information into an adversary's sensors and to milk the, inform the information and the capability those sensors were getting through something called a radar side lobe. So if you, had a, if you had something emanating an electronic signal, we had the ability, I assume the Soviets did too, to insert information in through that system's receiver, actually interrogate the electronics inside the system and, and either put false information into it or determine its, its capabilities. And so th this kind of capability is very sensitive. It's, it's very you know, closely guarded as to how it's done and what we do. So maybe we were looking at doing something, something like that with that system. I don't know. Well, I'm, what I'm saying is, uh, we 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 we're given driven. the fact that it violated our airspace. The president should be on the on the TV. Assuming right now saying, he even, Look, I don't think we I, had good I, reasons to do this. I, I'm thinking he didn't even he didn't even know about it till it went viral. But the latest I read was that we saw the thing go up in the air in China. Yes, I know. We were tracking it. That's why I'm saying. Yeah. This 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 shows me. I, I mean, part of the thing that I think is really concerning here is that we have a commander-in-chief, because he's the guy that's got to make a call on this. Well, let me ask you a quick question. Let me ask you a quick question. How capable of making these kinds of decisions. The original determination, okay. evidently, by the Air Force was there, there was a weather event somewhere up in Alaska, and they thought the thing just was blown off course. How, how maneuverable is that thing? It's not powered, is it? No, it's not, but it's maneuverable. It's got steering blades on it. And my response to that is, I don't care if it's a weather balloon. We think it's a weather balloon. We don't know for sure, and it's violating our airspace, and we know where it's coming from. So we either shoot it down, or we exploit it. Well, and, and I think maybe we were doing the... I mean, I, I don't know. If you're going to allow airspace violations by something like this, then you need, once it gets spotted, you need to get on the TV and act like the commander-in-chief and say, listen... There are good reasons for us not to shoot this down, and and we were, you know, it, it gave us some information. We didn't shoot it down. We let it go. Well, that's, we good for that's doing what it, I'm talking about. Etc. That's exactly He's right. not doing that. And, and the problem, of course, is he needed to get on there and do that right away rather than pumping out story after story after story trying to see if one of them was going to sound credible so that you could leave it you alone. You can't. You can't. Because that's what it looks but like. But the, the world, the world is is totally different. I mean, our, our world is is. You you think people can get around that? I'm going to tell a quick story. We'll break here, but I think that would the the if he were to come on and said, "This is what we're doing." The the the, the right wing idiots. Not, not you're not in that clinic. Already, we're in the. Just like Coach Ditka, this would never have happened. The Chinese never had the balls to do this. If if, if the Donald would still that was so but, far but ahead, so, of him, you can't do that. I mean, no, no, we we could have. He could have. He could have done that because the press will never challenge him. So he could have done that. Uh, everybody, the, the what's the press? The press is is the airwaves. The airwaves now are all these other people. I, I just you know I I saw I mean, as much as I I'm actually am not a big fan of the man uh, Pritzker during the COVID situation for whatever stupid reason the guy was having a. Uh, a COVID news conference like every day. 
I mean, I, why why you did that? I, I don't know. You know, but he did. And so I'm I'm coming back from Audrey's on a Sunday. I'm listening to the news radio seventy eight, which I probably shouldn't have been. And sure enough, they got the, the news conference on there. And the guy's on there, and he they started asking him, "Well, are you going to shut this down, or are you going to have this mask thing, or are you going to do all this other kind of stuff?" And he goes, "No, I don't. I don't really think that's necessary yet. That's not what I've been told by my people." Well, do you know what they'll? And, and it just so happened, all the reporters happen to be women. Could have been guys. They don't matter. They're on this guy like if it's your mother bitching at you. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, they were. They were what do you mean? Chief, the, the, the governor and what are you going up for? The governor. Chief, the governor. You want to be the president of the United States? You got to stand up on your hind legs and bark they like don't, a big they, dog. The, 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 I'm just saying, Lou. It's 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 for whatever reason they put themselves out in this, and the world is already. I mean, I, I was watching some guy in Face the Nation, this Republican guy pounding the table. It was like one of the idiots doing the Ditka thing, thing on but Saturday they're, Night But they're doing, they're doing that because of the indecision it doesn't, it doesn't, and the alcohol and that the administration showed over Okay, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is Pritzker, it got down to about his personal... Well, how come the, the governor of, of, of Michigan cares about people's lives and you don't? I mean, it, it gets to that level. And I'm sitting there listening to this, I go... Tomorrow morning, the guy's going to announce the mask mandate and everything else, and sure enough, he did. You know, instead well, of just I, walking, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, but the short answer to that is you you make the decisions based on on what you think the science is and what's going to be best for your population, not on the question, the idiotic question. You, you and that. I, you and I are not arguing about what should happen. What I'm saying is, in this world of of public of judgment by public opinion, this morning, I want to ask you about that for the break. This guy in the White Sox. He gets on, you know, he's being accused of spousal abuse. Well, not really spousal abuse, because he has two girlfriends and two kids by two different women, right? Which, you know, is not exactly my, my brand of ball, but... Uh, so he's not an NBA player. Uh, he's a uh, Major League Baseball player, so he's got... Uh, no, Bob, no, my, my reference you know, he, was the number of children. Yeah, the number of children. Well, didn't the one guy have nine kids by nine different women? The guy yes. Has, uh, so, he, so he comes on, and he's talking about how he... Now, there's an investigation going on, which, you know, is, is used to be our way, right? Would You actually would have a, a you know an investigation of trial, a jury, if you went, if it got that far. But that's not our way anymore. As much as you attorney guys seem to think it is, it's not. All of a sudden, he's on talking about how this thing happened, and he, and he can't believe that it's gotten this far, and blah, 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 he's going to be vindicated. Then, then they have to interview the two women. Right after him. Oh, I mean, the other the other lady feels the same way. I the guy is being tried on WBBM. I mean, yep. this is insane. Well, Trevor, look, talk to Trevor Bauer about that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. The guy yeah, could the be a total slugbag. I, mean, I, I don't. I have no idea whether he smacked these women up or not. I hope he didn't. I mean, I, and I hope nobody does that sort sort of thing. But how the hell he get tried on the radio? For God's sake, this is America. Well, I, we can really, we can talk about yeah. that after the after SP, SP Futures down ten, Nasdaq Futures down thirty eight. Be right back. My advice to you: start drinking heavily. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. 
Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands. But you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, my friends, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamal Smith. Over the board, SP futures are down 10. NASDAQ futures down 39. Dow futures down 28. We have a couple of earnings. We had uh, Twilio. Twilio? How do you pronounce it, Manny? Yes, Twilio, right? TWLO. They had earnings are up there, up 10 bucks, 76 dollars. We have Cisco, who was up 10 percent last night. Now it's only up a dollar 70. Was up 550 at one point. I think we have a couple more here. I think we had a show down 258. Not much. uh, they were they had earnings last night. That's uh, Snowflake, um, and we, there was a couple others. But uh, Cisco really looked like they flew out of the gate, and then all of a sudden they had a uh, uh, problems with their backlog, and the thing came flying right back down. So it's now it's up just a little bit. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX up seventy six point five percent, the FTSE up fourteen point two, CAC around up seventy three. That's one percent. So uh, you know very bullish over there. Uh, French French is CAC around all time high. It's really, really unbelievable. They were down some last year with everybody else, but not as much. And they're at, they're at all-time high, uh, which I would not, have, would not have guessed, but they are. Uh, we've got the Nikkei up 194.7%. Hang Seng up 175.8%. Shanghai down 31. That's a full 1%. It's kind of odd to see uh, Shanghai and Hang Seng go in different directions, but today is one of those days. Yesterday, we were up uh, pretty you know, reasonably strong, considering the CPI number was terrible. Uh, Dow Jones up 38, S&P up 11, NASDAQ futures up 110. We have the uh, uh, PPI coming up today at 7.30. It's not as big of a mover, but uh, it'll move something a little bit maybe. Uh, Bonds down one basis point, 3.8. Bond unchanged, 2.48. Japan unchanged, right at 0.5, Uh We've got oil up 25 cents, but still 78.84 under 80 bucks. Brent up 20 cents, 85.58. Oil patch been pretty... Steady between maybe 78 and 81, and really uh, kind of boring for quite a while. Natural gas up six cents, 253. Our Bob unchanged, 248. We have gold, which is beginning hammered. The old dead cat bounce today up a buck 80s, 1847. Silver down a penny, 2156. We had some people actually went long silver. Uh, it's just kind of at the lower end of this range, and it's been bouncing back and forth. So some people are playing the range here. Right? We'll see if they're right. They they've done it the last five times. They'd have been right. We'll see if they're right this time. A copper up five cents, four oh six. We've got this is a big news yesterday. 
Uh, Bitcoin, 24560 It was up almost 2000 bucks yesterday, up another 553 today. It's a long way from the 17000 was a few months ago, and I was all worried about it. Uh, over the dollar, which has been was been really getting strong, is uh, pretty much unchanged today. With the, but the euro 106, it had been 108 for a while, and a uh, British pound of 120 was 123 for a while. So the dollar is certainly strengthened. Maybe we have for us Travis Wheeler Sports. Coming up on 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Uh, we have a couple of issues down to the south of us uh, coming. Uh, uh, on the Bishop Ford, actually, both of them on the Bishop Ford. The first one, there was a rollover crash on the outbound Ford right at the exit ramps to I-80 and 394. And that has uh, both of those exit ramps uh, uh, affected at the shoulder there with crews on the scene working on this rollover crash that happened a little bit ago. And then uh, further north on the Bishop Ford, uh, we have a crash on the right shoulder on the inbound side. This is just before the I-57 split. And it's causing stop-and-go traffic as you're heading inbound on I-94. So a couple of issues on the south side, but no issues on the Ryan itself. I-57 looking good. Same for the Stevenson. Traffic building on the two, on I-290, but no accidents to report. North side expressways are all quiet. Off the expressways in Evanston, we have uh, Main Street between Michigan Avenue and Sheridan closed due to an accident investigation where a pedestrian was struck by a vehicle earlier this morning, about a half an hour ago. Uh, so uh, crews are on the scene there, and that has Main Street blocked in Evanston. That's our only other area of concern. Weather today, uh, we will have a rain turning into snow mix coming on later this morning, and we should expect some accumulation, uh, not a ton, but uh, enough to uh, affect your day. We'll reach a high of 36 today. Right now it's overcast and 34, still dry uh, with snow on the way. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 61. Right now it's clear and 35. In sports, Bulls had a big lead in the first half in Indianapolis, and just like they did a couple months ago against the Pacers, they blew it and lost 117-113, Bulls' fifth straight loss. They're back in action tonight as the Milwaukee Bucks come into town. Bucks are on a big winning streak, so that won't be great. Suns were off last night. They'll host the Clippers tonight. Blackhawks lost at Toronto 5-2. Coyotes beat the Lightning 1-0. And some good news, Chief. The Northwestern Wildcats are now the second-best team in the Big Ten record-wise after beating Indiana 64-62 to last night, this coming off uh, their number win over upset uh, number one Purdue the other night. So the Wildcats are now 19-7 overall, 10-5 in the Big Ten, and a lock, it looks like, to make the NCAA tournament for just the second time in school history. Were your, were your uh, pointed ears uh, burning last night? I was my judge lawyer little caucus. Uh, I was mentioning how my... My man Matt Weber was talking about how their guards are as good as anybody, and sure enough, what they stole the ball late and uh, did something right. Yeah, um, they uh, they 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 have two guards that you know their two guard looks like Dwayne Wade to me. I mean, he's that he's he's really good. I'm not saying he's that good. Obviously, Dwayne Wade's a Hall of Famer, but he he plays like him, like he did at col- when he was at Marquette in college. I mean, he's a big athletic guard that can do everything on both sides of the ball. Where'd they get him? Really fun to watch. I don't know much about him. I'm gonna have to look into it. And then their point guard, uh, Boo Booey, he, he's been a very solid player. You know, I think he's a junior now. You could see the talent his first couple years, but he just needed to get older. And now you put those two together, and they're really stacked. And then, you know, they have good role players on the, that can shoot on the outside and a couple big guys, but those two really make them go. And they play both ways. I mean, they're up in you on defense. They can both score. And uh, Northwestern, last year, they were you know the worst team in the Big Ten. This year, they're in second place, and they hold the tiebreaker over Purdue. So even though they're two games back at Purdue, they could actually win this conference if Purdue slips up at all. What the... That's, I'm, always, I'm always gratified to see a school, schools like Northwestern or Duke, you know, 
field a, a legitimately strong team in a major sport like this. It's awesome. Well, you uh, you, yep. you did miss uh, the one story. What was Alabama number one for forty eight hours? Yeah, they got beat at Tennessee last night. I saw that. That's a tough game, though. Wasn't Tennessee number one at one point? Tennessee, I believe, was number one at one point. They've been top ten all year, so it's not like that was a bad loss or anything. Yeah, it, there there are no there are no dominant teams in college basketball right now. Correct, especially when you have blue bloods like Kentucky, North Carolina, and even Duke that are you know kind of having down years by their standard. Um, oh, Duke is Duke is. I'm I'm down on that Duke team just because, and it may just be a factor, a function of their their youth and the fact that you know Shire's not browbeating people the way Shashevsky did. But they they have real trouble sealing the deal on on their games. Yeah, I mean they almost let Notre Dame come back in, and yeah, uh, they did. Well, you know, well, the they're night, ter- they're they terrible. should never have lost to Virginia. And um, yeah, I just they're just not. They're, uh, defensively, they're a fantastic team. They they play great defense, but they just aren't putting the you know getting things done on the uh, on the other end of the court. Well, it was very difficult having a conversation with your former neighbor. Mr. Bill last night is he's got both eyes glued to his Marquette. What are they now? Golden Eagles or something? Yeah, they won last night too. It was right? a last minute yep. shot. Yeah, they uh, beat Zay. That was a really good game. Really I watched good game. a good yeah. chunk of the first half and then I fell asleep, but uh, I saw they won by one. Both those teams are, are really good and, and could make runs in the tournament. I think if you're going to do a futures bet right now, the best team I've seen all year, in my opinion, is UCLA. I think. Really? I've seen them. I won't saw them one time, though. They will lock you down. They are tough. They got pros. I mean, they're they're really good, and they, you know they have a few losses like everyone does. Like Lou said, there's no dominant team this year, but um, when they get in that tournament, you know if, if if they get the right path, I could see them winning it all. Do you? Uh... I, I will tell you guys the one thing that I miss about. I mean, there are a number of things I miss about Chicago, but one of the big things is is a decent college basketball environment, and it just is not here in the front range. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, Colorado CU is is not a, has not been a basketball school. I don't think ever. No. Uh, Wyoming every now and then makes a run, but they're terrible. Air Force has height restrictions. Um, <laughs> yeah. It just you know it from from <laughs> you know from from maybe Kansas, maybe Lawrence West to uh, to Los Angeles. It's kind of a basketball wasteland. Well, Bill has been indoctrinating me in this. Biggie, I mean, literally, after watching three or four games, you know, you have to watch it because the guy's not talking to you while you're, you're talking to him. But do they even give a whistle to the refs in the Big East? I've, I've never seen anything like it. Every, I mean, you, you compare that game to a ACC game when the Irish are playing or even a Big Ten game. If, 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 if there's no blood, there's no foul. I mean, it, well, Big Ten's the same way. Um, ACC, not as much, but Big Ten. Um, and, and, yeah, I would say Big East, too. It's really physical. It's it's really physical. Wait, Bill's just sitting there going, and he's talking about Marquette too. Well, there's a foul. There's guys are like shoving guys, in, in, in literally, and literally, when they call one, the guys are miffed because why'd you why'd you call that one? Not the two you just missed. I mean, was, well, and, and you had you just had that Virginia, the Duke Virginia game where the the ref just the refs just missed a call to the extent that the ACC actually apologized. Yeah, they just got that wasn't a missed call. They just they just didn't know the rule. <laughs> Like, <laughs> basically right. They, they called the foul, and then they went and looked at it, and then they didn't. They got the rule wrong, and so they reversed the call. I don't know. How, I've never seen that before. Like that was that was Duke got completely robbed in that game. Well, the the, the uh, when, when are we going to start figuring out? I mean, or at least I watched the I watched the Bulls against Cleveland. I mean, then they got clobbered in the last quarter. But I tell you what, 
if, if I if I was uh, you know if I was NCIS and I had the ability to do this, I would have checked every one of those ref, refs' internet to see if they were on on with DraftKings. I mean, I never saw anything like it. The yeah. last quarter, I mean, they absolutely screwed the Bulls. Not that they don't deserve it. Well, Keith, you and I, you and I had that conversation that given given what's happened and the way that uh, the gambling has inserted itself into all of our our pro sports now, it's just a matter of time. Someone's yeah. going to fix a game with a ref, or they're going to fix a game with a player, and it's going to come out. Well, you don't even have to fix. You don't have to fix a game now. You're betting on. Hey, I, I know. I was anxious to get Mr. Weber back on because uh, I for, I forgot to ask you on Tuesday. If, I don't know how quickly Dr. J, of course, was all over his DraftKings thing. I don't. Mean, he's not a big gambler, but he loves watching it. Uh, when the Eagles were up ten, and Mahomes looked like he had gotten hurt, and I know these odds changed like by the millisecond on that thing. What would have been the the game odds if you'd have got a bet down right then for Kansas City? Could you have gotten three to one or four to one? I bet you could have. I bet you could have gotten two and a half to three to one. Is yeah, because the win the win probability for for Kansas City at that point dropped to like below twenty five percent. I think. Yeah, when he was when he was sitting on the on the bench looking like he was, you know, he had a broken leg, I, I, and they're already down by ten. I, I gotta believe it. Had, it had a spike at three at least. Yeah, I wish I would have. I had the Chiefs for the game outright, which which obviously ended up being a winner. But I wish I would have doubled down at that point just because of the yeah, odds. I knew I knew Mahomes was was selling it. Oh yeah, I totally did. I mean he's he's all about the cameras. Like I, I knew he was he was good. he wanted his Clyde Frazier coming off on one foot or Isaiah Thomas or like I never never in my mind for one second did I think he was not coming back. So do you think he got a bet down? I mean well maybe he had one of his people make a bet. <laughs> But it does bring up the question, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Let me, let me follow up on something you guys uh, talked about yesterday about whether it's proper for us to enjoy football as much as we do, given the, the danger element. Um, and then it, this has come up in a couple of fora that I participate in online as well from an ethical perspective. Is it ethical to watch something like this? Or, you know, and, and I, you know, I always, I always come back to that you know, football is basically an act between consenting adults, and you know, people are out there. A significant part of the reason people are out there is because it's fun, yeah. and it's it it's a very reinforcing game. And and if you're around pro football players a lot, um, you you see that. You know, people don't work. People don't work that hard, and and and. Pro football players work unbelievably hard. People don't work that hard running themselves into the ground over and over again just for a paycheck. They they, they do it because the ultimate expression of, of that skill, the game, is is a someplace where you're getting something you can't get. It's like combat. You, you can't get it anywhere else. And so I... I you know, I understand. People say, "Well, it's a bar- it's barbaric, and people are hurting themselves." And da da da. And I, yeah, so is stock car racing. You know, so yeah, is, yeah. so is boxing. So is wrestling. You know, these are these are are, are competitive, dangerous sports. Um, but we still we still watch. I mean, that's part of the that's part of the thrill of of watching, watching watching uh, you know women's gymnastics on the high bar. You know, if that or, or competition like that, if that's not watching, you know, uh, uh, this incredible mix of athletic skill and incredible danger, because if they make a misstep, 
you know, you're talking about a serious injury. Um, and so I, I have, I have less, I guess, ethical concern about watching the game, knowing, you know, even though I know that, that it's a high risk, a very high risk uh, experience for, for people every time you step on there. But maybe that's tempered by the fact that I grew up in a military culture, especially a flying culture, where every time you step to the jet, you were you were literally putting your, your life on the line. So well, that well, I may, think, that I may think, come I, back to that. But that, that's my outlook on it. I don't think it's unethical to watch a sport like that. I understand why we do. I understand the appeal. But the participants are in it, and they're getting a lot out of it, a lot more than a paycheck. I, I think, by the way, somebody... Well, <laughs> up until very recently, I was playing ball every week, uh, Lou, and there's always a risk. There's always a preparation to it. Obviously, amateur sports is nothing like pro- professional, but you still, you see the guy out there jogging in the wintertime, he's jogging because he wants to go skiing, and he wants to be in shape, or he wants to play softball, or he wants maybe he's going to go out and jog because he wants to play basketball. And, it's, you know, you'd be better off in bed, but and, and less dangerous. You're not going to hit by a car in bed. Well, maybe you could in some neighborhoods, but... Uh, the there's there's no I I just question at some point who's taking advantage of these people I mean what what are the I use the term why are, why are you saying they're being taken advantage of Well I'm talking about the 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 economic externalities How's that for a term Well see and I I think that's I think that's incredibly insulting that you can't you don't see it as these guys saying you know I'm going to have a choice to work this hard and I'm I'm, oh no, no, no I'm, I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying, I'm going, I'm going around, around your argument. What I'm saying is, what the thing, things that bother the, the piss out of me is uh, George Connor sitting next to me and saying he had 27 surgeries after football in Notre Dame, and the Bears paid for none of them. You know, well, that's not the case. That's not the case anymore. Well, it's you know, but now what's the big lawsuit? Uh, two weeks ago, it was filed by the players, where they're saying every time they go to arbitration over some of these. Injuries later, they lose every one. Well, but that's a different. That's a different argument. Okay, well, I guess what I'm trying to do here is, I don't have a problem with the individual stuff. What I have a problem is, is now we're going to give the Bears a a 40 year in, uh, property tax freeze. We're going to do. It's becoming like the gladiators. I mean, what are these okay, guys? So, so let me let me let's just let's just talk about how this plays out. The minimum. Salary in the NFL is somewhere around seven hundred thousand a year now. I haven't okay. looked at it recently, but it's somewhere around seven hundred thousand a year. That's the that's the rookie league minimum when you come in as a rookie, right? And it goes up from there. Most of these guys, if they're good, if they make it past the you know three years of average career length, are going to get that second a second contract worth millions. Okay, but but regardless, a seven hundred thousand dollar a year minimum for three, four, five years ought to be enough for you to set aside money to look to look out for yourself down the road. How much? And it's, pardon me? How mu- Doug Buffon would have needed full-time 24-hour care the last four years of his life. He didn't, well, he didn't, he didn't make enough football Doug, to pay for Doug that. Buffon, Doug Buffon did not play in, that, in this kind of a system that I'm talking about right now. You know, those, those guys, those guys that played from from, you know, the, in the 50s, because there's not very many of those guys left anymore, but the guys playing in the 60s, 70s, and into the 80s before the collective they're, bargaining they're agreement that was old. revised, those, 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 guys, those guys were, you know, screwed, basically. 
and and I I get it. I understand that. My my point now is, if a, a player coming into the league now knows has a much better handle on the risks, a much better handle on the health risks, there are all kinds of mechanisms for medical annuities and things like that for these guys to set aside money to to look after themselves. There are all kinds of programs for them to once they step out of football to get to get training for for life after football. The league pushes this. The, the union pushes this. It it's right there. The, the league pushes it, or the, the the union pushes it, and the league with Roger Goodell in charge reluctantly agrees to the minimum they possibly can. In my opinion, I, I, I'm not. I'm uh, with regard to money. That's probably correct because because it's a it's a money making operation. But with respect to the the post football opportunities. Those are all over the place. I agree. I agree. But I, the idea that uh, somebody who makes seven hundred grand, all right. Now, of course, he came out of college with with nothing there in terms of the future. The chances, I mean, yeah, we were just arguing economics. Right? I'm agreeing with you on the on the plus side of it that most people would love to be a pro football player for a week. I mean, at least they think they would. They would until you hit the first time. Uh, but it, I mean, what do you suppose forty years from now? the cost of 24-hour care is going to be and how much would somebody have to put away of their rookie contract to set aside for that? And the answer is not one of these kids has a clue about that. I couldn't begin to price it, neither could you. And, and the, the league, there are, there are mechanisms in place once these guys play the minimum amount to qualify. There are mechanisms in place to provide for that long-term care. There's a whole fund for it. And and I'm, my point is is simply this: these guys are not victims of some oppressive system. They enter it willingly. There are options for them to mitigate the the potential for injury and damage if they will take advantage of it. Well, you keep saying but, stuff like once you play long enough. I a family I'm loosely associated with from uh, St. Bernard. That's where I, where I grew up. Uh, well, St. John Fisher and St. Bernadette's. And I played basketball with one of the older ones a lot, and he ended up joining the Army, so I kind of lost track. But one of the kids on the trading floor, well, the, the, uh, another brother, was a big family, two years ago blows himself away. All right, now he played he played football, um, I, I'm not sure, might have been Marist, and it was some south side place, and, uh, and he was, you know, he was okay. He ended up playing like two years at Penn or somebody. I mean, they're not... We're not talking about you know a Nebraska you know national champion or anything, and the kid was always a little off as he got older, and he uh, blows himself away. So on a, on a kind of a whim or a dare, the family sends the brain off to Boston, and sure enough, he's got tremendous amount of the, whatever, whatever the disease is. Well, Marist isn't going to pay for it, but neither is Penn. I mean, I mean, there's this damage all over the place that doesn't make it to vested as an NFL player. I'm not, I'm not, by the way, I love football. I'm I, not saying is how, how do we? I understand, but but you know again, when I was in, I, I'm sorry, I, I I will admit that you know 17, 18 year old guys don't have the best judgment, but I was well aware of the risk when I was playing in high school and when I played in college. And I knew about it and accepted it, and you, I didn't, didn't know about it. Very you didn't much. know about, but whatever. I knew it was there. You didn't know about the DT something something. Well, I, but but they they do know about that now. So so yeah. you know it's out there. 
But I mean, I, and, I, the and, thing I see, Lou, is I. And by the way, I, I love the sport, and I. But I think there's I little know. things. There's little things you can do. When I see a rule in college that says like you're supposed to wear knee pads, okay, and then I, everybody walks out on the field, and you can see every one of the idiots, because it's not even a uniform, has taken a scissors to their pants and have cut it off mid thigh. Well, you know what? The kids should be should be banned from that game. You know. Well, I mean, if, we, we, not, if they, they didn't wear any. But if they you're not wearing that equipment, that's a penalty. No, it isn't. Go yes, go it go, is. go rerun your your last college, the, the national championship game. They don't even make them look like they're they're done. You can see where they cut them with know, scissors. I don't know what the I don't know what they're doing with the pads. But if you walk out onto a college football field without pads in your pants, they throw you off the field. Well, Lou, what planet are you on? None of them wear them. They're wearing shorts. They're shorter than NBA pants. In a game? Yeah. Matty, am I right? I've never I've never seen oh somebody walking out there with without knee pads. Oh on. God, Lou. You must be watching Air Force. They might actually obey the rules. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I Matty it'll pine on this. I mean there's no way I'm mean, gonna lose usually right minimum, all the time. There's minimum equipment. I'm just saying, in college they don't care. I know there's a rule that knee pads must be covered by pants um, in the uh, college football rules. I don't know if they're enforced. I know the NFL they're enforced very strictly, but yes. college football. Yes, they are. In, in college football, you can see, you can see. equipment is a is a big deal and I, and uh, I'm I'm I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what game you're watching. Well, I go, go to any game. Go to any game. Short. Any game you want. Go to the go to, go to the Georgia whatever national championship game, and you'll see where guys have taken a scissors to their pants and they're wearing shorts. I think that's probably a hyperbole. I, but I'll go I, back and look. I, the, the thing that caught me was it wasn't even like the pants are that long. You could see, you could see I mean, the guy. I mean, didn't I'm, over. I'm aware. <clears throat> I'm aware of players that wear very skinny pads. They yeah. have to have pads on. What I'm saying is, whatever whatever we try and do to mitigate, I, I, I think that they're. By the way, the new helmets are a huge advance. I think. I think. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to play out like that, but it's. They sure look like they're way better engineered. Most, the most important, the most important rule change from from the CT for the CTE issue is is trying to cut down on the head to head contact and leading with your helmet. Which is how I was taught to tackle yeah. and taught to block when I was in high school and college. You yep. led with your head. See now, when I when I was they, in don't, gra- do that. they don't coach that anymore. When I was in grammar so school, it was probably a little before that. They did, they didn't do that because they knew the helmets were horrible. <laughs> and in the, in the face mask, a lot of guys had the one bar, so you didn't you didn't do that. Um, but anyway, well, well, I mean, I mean, if you, you know, my father played without a without a face mask and a, and with a leather helmet in high school, but with a plastic helmet in college. And and you know without the face mask on there, you you stop leading. You don't lead with your head nearly as much. No, no, you don't. If you value your nose <laughs> or anything else, anyway. You want a quick update on Ukraine? Yes, please. Um, so what seems to be happening right now is the Russians have taken a look at what's the equipment that's starting to come into Ukraine. Our Bradley fighting vehicles are getting there now, and the tanks are on the way. And they've realized that they they could be facing a real problem if the Ukrainians get armored up. And, uh, and and trained on how to use this stuff, so they have started pushing very hard across a, about a fifteen hundred kilometer front uh, up and down the east, the east side of, of Ukraine. They are making gains. They are pounding the areas with artillery, twenty thousand shells a day, 
um, and then moving their troops in under cover of the artillery. Once they lit the artillery, the Ukrainians generally slaughter the you know slaughter the guys coming forward. But but they are grad. The Russians are gradually moving ahead. Um, the estimates from the British intel that I saw the other day is that the Russians are losing somewhere between 800 and 1,000 people a day. When are they going to run out of artillery? When are they going to run out of artillery? Never? They, the, the Russians are in, by their doctrine, are an artillery-heavy operation, so they have stockpiled millions of shells, and, and they're firing, you know, they're firing them off now uh, on a pretty regular basis. Now, I will say they've tempered their use a little bit, they were firing fifty thousand rounds a day, um, but it's down. It's down to twenty thousand rounds a day across the front. The Ukrainians are are basically trading space for time as they try to get their people trained up. But but I mean, the short answer is the Russians can gradually grind away at the front. The the issue is going to be: are they are they going to run out of people, trained people? Are they going to be able to to sustain this kind of pressure on the Ukrainians. What they're really trying to do is, is keep the pressure on a broad front. The Ukrainians, of course, who have fewer people and, and fewer resources are rushing, you know, troops around on the front to shore up areas to prevent a, to prevent a breakout. The, the real issue, though, that we see is the Russians are just miserably trained, um, and, and their people are, are, are not well-equipped. Uh, they don't really understand how to use their, their armor. Uh, in conjunction with their artillery. And just to give you a, an, an indication of the way that they're operating still in Russia, there's a big scandal over over Russian winter uniforms and the fact that they were basically threadbare and guys were freezing to death out on the out on the front lines of the battle area. So they said, okay, we're gonna re, we're gonna reorganize our, our logistics. We're gonna get the uniform contracts to a new a new person. And so it goes to the the, uni- the uniform contracts for for production of winter uniforms goes to a 22 year old son of one of the defense minister's good friends <laughs> who has no experience with a clothing company and is producing cl- uh, uh, clothing at roughly five times the cost <laughs> of any you know any other competitor in the, in, in Russia. And so this kind of this kind of thing. They can't make decisions. It's like it's like Chicago trying to fight a war. They can't make decisions like this without this kind of corrupt cronyism creeping into how are they, every single. How are they logistically? We got a dash here. How are they logistically getting that many artillery shells to the front? Well, they're moving them by train, and then they they move them forward by truck. But the but the, the thing is, they've got to be really careful because they can't they can't get them close too close by train because because. We, we've given the Ukrainians precision-guided munitions that, that strike any train yard where they're unloading this stuff. And so they have to bring it, they have to unload it like 100 miles away from the front line, put it on individual trucks, and then drive it in, wow. which disperses the target area. Um, we are about to provide the Ukrainians with 100-mile range uh, artillery and rocket shells that can strike you know, within two feet of the end point and so that's going to move that those rail centers back even further. So, so this is this is how we're slow, we're helping the Ukrainians slow. I got to believe that the Ukrainians are sending up all kinds of balloons <laughs> to see what's going on. 
they've got they've got drones and then and then our Intel stuff. We're, we're oh, okay. with a lot of Intel. Well, Lou, thank you very much. But I'm going to show you some pictures of the uniform pants just for laughs. You know, it's un- un- unusual. I stumped the Lou. Anyway, take care of yourself, bud. Talk at you next week. You going skiing? Uh, not uh, not anytime soon. All right, bud. SP Futures down 13. Maybe. Nasdaq Futures down 47. Be right back, Mr. Danjanitas. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. Five six. That's seven zero eight three four nine three four five six. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Something happening here. Welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Smith. Weber on the board. SP Futures now down 15. NASDAQ Futures down 53. I'm kind of surprised on this. We had some stocks that were up last night. We've got Cisco up a buck 69. It was up 550, which is 11%. We've got uh, uh, Twilio is still up 10 bucks, so that's up. We've got uh, uh, we've got uh, Snowflake is down 229 to, to 172. It's not a big mover there, but we have have had some moving. Moving on these earnings, and uh, you know, some good, some bad. Dan, how are you, bud? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, your uh, your ears were were uh, well, maybe should have been burning the other day. We uh, one of the groups that you and I both do some business for. Uh, uh, really, have come into a couple of uh, <coughs> um, I don't know how they again. A couple of older gentlemen have gotten in contact with them, and uh, I think uh, they're all of a sudden out of the blue. There is a pretty big market for people wanting to do some fixed income and some protected stuff. So I think maybe you and I are busy. That'd be nice. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This is really our, our sweet spot in terms of timing in the market. With you know, with this being in this contractionary period, you know, knowing that we're not going to see the same level of of expansion and in, in growth or in growth stocks. And um, I think as you know, some some baby boomers are aging. This is the time to hold on to those uh, gains that you've made over the last decade, and at the same time have have some yield to hold on to. So, um, I was thinking back to you know coming out of school, um, you know college graduate school years and years ago, 
and thinking that, you know, one of the incentives for putting a little of your money away um, to save is that you got these huge um, returns or this huge amount of interest that was being paid in your, your savings account. So, likewise, I think we're back in that environment where yield is king and, and uh, you know, income is, is a really good place to be right now. And, um, they're, you know, I think they're, you know, these gentlemen are, are right on the money when they say that they're, you know, they're wanting to basically realize what they've, they've had but also have a really good steady yield going forward. I mean, we're looking at, you know, without a whole lot of risk, you know, being able to get 6 to 8% which is a decent amount of return, 6 to 10% if you want to try to take a little more risk. 5%, we're buying five, uh, we're buying six-month T-bills the other day at 501. So there's, um, and we're expected to see two more rate hikes. So I think yield is, yeah, yield makes a lot of sense right now. Again, the alternative being dividend paying stocks. And again, you want to have some of those in your portfolio, but, but, you may want to be turning back some of those where you're only, you know, guaranteed three or four percent, and you're also guaranteed maybe more, a little more volatility or a little more downside, depending on what news comes out, um, you know, in the next few months. So, I think it's a, I think it's a very wise investment move. This, this part of the business cycle, this part of the economic. Well, Dan, cycle. how do you, how do you? Uh, I'm going to ask you this. I've been, I've been talking to. Uh, we do our yearly reviews for a lot of people, so. I'm talking to a, a, a real I've been a lot and a lot of them I'll say well, by definition they are my clients uh, because I do business for them but they're not people they're people that have come to me from other areas okay but then they they, they like talking to me for whatever reason and uh, maybe for a lot of reasons Dan who knows but uh, I'm having issues been for a long period of time I mean if you and I spin back 20 years it was relatively easy never totally easy, but relatively easy to look at somebody almost like a general practitioner would and you look at their age, their income, how much they really don't even want to work when they're retired. Some do, some don't, uh, what their needs are and so forth. And you could pretty much, when, when the world was, I'll say, financially normal, whatever that means, where you could get, you know, 3.5% risk-free, maybe 4 and then you could notch it up a little bit and get, you know, 5 and maybe a little more and get 6 and if you wanted to, you know, swing a little bit, you could, you could, and, and take some risk, you could get like ten. Well, that, that all went by the way of the dodo bird for a long time, to where yes. risk-free rate was like zero. So even if you wanted to get, uh, you know, seven, you needed like a junk bat, which really ought to be eleven, right, Dan? I mean, or twelve, something like that. And so everything got totally off the rails. They used to say at Pullman, Kitty Wampus, for a long time, and now we're kind of working our way back to where. It's not normal, normal because we still have a yield curve that's that's uh, sloped kind of the wrong way, where you get more for six months than you can for ten years, which is a little weird. But uh, we're, we're we're lurching back towards maybe a little more normal situation. But Absolutely. for a long period of time, people, you know, I never did this, and to be perfectly blunt, I lost a lot of clients because of it. I never would take somebody eighty-five years old and drive him out on the risk curve just because. That's what the Fed told me to do. I, I can't. I couldn't do that. You know. So I mean, I I, I didn't want to put people that shouldn't be in, in risky stocks. And a lot of them basically went elsewhere. Right, Dan. I'm sure you had the same issue. And uh, hey, what do you mean? I'm not getting anything fixed income. I better do this. Well, now it's kind of back the other way. And some people have recognized that and are looking for either a protected sort of a, of a strategy like I do, or or fixed income like Dan does. But still, Dan, what do you say? A long, long way of getting to this question. 
what do you say to the people who watch their meta go from you know 350 to 90 and now it's back to 176 and instead of saying god i can't believe i got 80 bucks back maybe i should protect it a little bit here maybe i should lighten up that all they're feeling is vindication i mean tesla's the same way i was right all along it's going right back to 350 and then higher from there i mean there there is that group of people that are just believers in this stuff and I, i couldn't have bought it at 300 because I'm the smartest man on earth. The reason why I bought it for 300 is because it's going to 400, and then the 90 aberration was just a blip on the road. How do you how do you say, hey guys? I mean, you got 40 percent back. Let's let's you know let's be thankful and like lighten up a little. I, I'm having yeah. real trouble with that conversation. If you can help me, that would be nice. I have had trouble with that conversation, and I've heard that had that conversation as well. And I absolutely 100 percent agree with you that that you know you get. You and I are just, you know, we've been doing this for so long. It's our mindset. You know, we understand, you know, we certainly understand when you lose money, it's harder to to earn that money back. Um, And we also understand the risk of, you know, um, I had a client who had had retired. Both of them had retired, and they really are working from a a relatively low base. And they, they had thought about moving to Mexico and getting a second house. And they, you know, their returns were fabulous i mean fantastic for two years i mean up 71 percent yep um some of my best performing accounts in 21 and 22 just the accounts that you brag about for performance and they said they were looking at homes down there and the home values went up and so can we take more risk and i i said geez you might need somebody else to manage your money because i would not recommend taking risk nor will i do that for you at this point where you're retired and collecting social security and I'm not going to go up the risk curve where you've already made all this money. This is the time once you've made it. It's just what I was saying earlier and exactly what you were saying. This is the time to hold on to some of that. This is the time to realize some of those gains. This is, time, this is the time to lock in some of those and, and put some of that money into these you know, short-term, high-yielding, um, risk-free or even just minimal risk investments. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a challenge that I think also is part of you know what happened with a lot of investors who got in the market on their own and said, hey, you know, I can make money in Amazon and, and Tesla, and I can make money in all these stocks. It's really not that hard until it until it is hard, and until those stocks turn, and until there's volatility, until the excess comes out, and then you know. The smart ones turn to pe- you know people like us or money managers and say, "Hey, what do we do in this time?" And we do exactly what you just said. We we recommend taking some off the top, realizing that we're in a period of contraction, period of stabilization, period of you know hopefully coming into some price stability, um, reversion to the mean. So this is the time to capture that, to at least capture a part of that um, upside that you've earned and to lighten up that part portfolio, especially as you're getting older, especially as your your focus is going to be more on income and capital preservation. So the timing for a lot of people is going to be very good to move into the, the strategies like yours and mine. Yeah, I just, I mean, the idea of somebody who's not working losing, you know, 40% of their money last year, I just shiver when I hear that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know how you, because it, 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 that, what do you got to do? You got to double it to come back, right? Right. It's a uh, hey. Uh, I got a um, policy question. Then we'll get, then we'll get back to. Get, I want to make sure this week I give you time for your any any kind of uh, inter- interesting ones you come across since the last time we talked. But a uh, kind of a policy question. There's kind of a debate among uh, 
people in the office, meaning my brother, and uh, and and uh, Carl, uh, who's you know he's, I don't think he considers himself a monetarist, but he sure is. Uh, and you see what the Fed has been doing, and, and and they've been inching down on the balance sheet, and they've been inching down a little bit on the money supply. Although I think some of that has been negated by the market flying back up because all of a sudden the added wealth gives people m- borrowing power in, in on margin accounts, which essentially increases the money supply, really. Um, I mean, uh, my brother's convinced that they're doing exactly what they said they were going to do. They're l- inching it down every month. And that, you know, wh- what else do you want them to do that you can't... Uh, you don't want to throw us into a recession any more than we already are, which I think we already are. And Carl's view is, whatever they're doing, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. I mean, all the, all the, uh, the, al- the alleged raising of rates, well, until you get to four and a half... You're not even remotely restrictive, and they're barely over that now. So all the time, people were, were yelling at them about raising rates. They still were in expansion mode at, at one and a half and two and a half. And that, you know, Carl, as he, as he said last week, it, you know, it's like putting a a, a huge, you know, a, a bale of opium on a dining room table or a, or cocaine, and even if a little falls off the edge, you still got way too much that anybody ever needs, and somehow or another, you got to take a slice out of the middle of it. And I, you know, honestly. Both of them make sense. And uh, where do you come out on that? I mean, my, my brother's probably, I would probably be more of in the gradualist mode like they are, but I think they got to be a little a little quicker because I don't see anything other than there's a few spots. You can look at the price of pork and the price of eggs. I don't see them taking a slice out of the inflation at all here, or certainly the price level, do you? No, no. And in fact, um, you, know, you know, trying to, anybody who's tried to schedule a trip, whether it be for business or, or for pleasure, um, you're looking at airline costs that are up. You're looking at hotel costs that are outrageous. You're looking at rental car costs that are outrageous. Um, you're looking at contractors, you know, uh, electricians, um, workers here, say, and, you know, for people who are still repairing their homes here in Florida, just, you know, the prices. The, and you're looking at wages that have gone up and are unlikely to cut back. I mean, a, an employer is not, you know, who's raised rates, raised wages. Um, isn't going to cut cut wages at this stage. So there's there's absolutely inflation. There's absolutely still an increase. We saw that in the CPI number. I tend to lean more with your brother Dan. I tend to be more in that camp. And I'll tell you why. And it, it's it's because the Fed is trying to gain credibility, and the Fed gains credibility by doing what the consensus is, what the what the consensus is. So I think what's happening right now. If we had to talk today, the consensus would be two more hikes in the near term based on the recent CPI being higher than expected, based on retail sales being higher than expected. So we still need, and I agree, and I agree with you, Tom, we do need some, we, we, we continue to need some hikes and we continue to need some action in order to bring inflation down or at least bring it back into, to, you know, start moving a little bit um, more dramatically in that that um, direction. So, but the, I think from their point of view, the Fed just really doesn't want to mess it up. They don't want to come out of left field and all of a sudden throw a curveball to you know to the markets. Um, they also want to make sure that you know the majority of people, not only people in our industry but people across the board, um, see that they're doing what they say they're going to do. And that would mean two more rate hikes, one in one in March, 25 basis points, one in May, 25 basis points. And then if we start seeing inflation come down a little bit, we see them possibly pause and 
um, and hold in for a little while. But I think we would see beyond that, I think we would see more rate increases. I, I think this whole talk of rate hikes should never have been on the table for this year. So agree with you, um, still not enough. Um, we still have to continue to move in this direction. But I think their primary, uh, the Fed's primary motive here or their, or their goal here is to really get that gain back credibility that I think they lost, um, <clears throat> that they have lost over the years, but they lost, you know, a few years ago when they just really made, made a bad call, um, that really kind of threw off, um, you know, economists that threw off, uh, investors, you know, it I, threw uh, off, um, you know what, Dan, I, I, uh, I absolutely, Want to agree with you? You never really want to agree with your brother, right? Well, if he's a brother, you can't agree with him. Uh, I mean, I mean, I really want to agree. I mean, the thing I have a problem with that, and, and by the way, I'm agreeing with you, but I still have a problem with my own agreement. The problem I have with it is, is we have never been. When you look at the, uh, you know, thirty percent of your, of anybody's salary now goes towards rent, and the the. I won't say that the morons or the deceivers at the CPI still tell you it's seven seven and a half percent of your basket. I think that we've we've not come to grips on the Fed level, certainly on the financial reporting level, of what we've done to the price level and and to people in general in the last three years. When you throw thirty two percent of money into the system in two years, Absolutely. the the enormity of what you've done. You, you, you've not just raised prices where if they come back down, everybody's okay with it. I, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not, this, let me finish real quick and then just tell me, I still think I'm back to the same strategy they're doing right now, but I don't know, I, I, I have a problem with it because you've, you've just taken, as I said to my brother yesterday, I go, what you've done is you've taken the price of an automobile from 26 to 41, and you've, you've taken... 75% of the population out of ever owning a new car. You, you haven't just raised prices and hope they come back down. You've totally changed society. You know, and 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 I don't know how you you that and now you say, well, as long as they don't the car doesn't make it to 42, I'm okay. No, you're not okay. You're but I, but I you know, it doesn't mean I want them to go to 15% and throw us into a depression either, but I just think they have no they had no idea what they were doing then. And now they have no idea of the damage they've caused, even though right now I happen to agree with what they're doing. So am I making any sense at all here? Yeah, no, you're absolutely making sense. And I would use, I mean, using the example of somebody looking to buy a new car, I would use the example of somebody trying to take a trip. Yeah. Just because I've, I've been trying to do that and trying to figure out a way of uh, making this making sense of, you know, you go through this sort of... Um, you know, this balancing act, is it, is it really worth this money to, you know, to buy the car, to take the trip, to do, and, and you're not, you're partially basing it on what it used to be, but frankly, you're basing it on what you can afford today, and that's where you're saying, like, especially younger people looking at new homes in, in particular parts of the country, looking at, you know, their first purchase of, a, of an automobile, um, people of any age looking for, you know, looking to travel, looking to buy a second home, you know, that, that may have been in their plans at some point, and now they can't afford it, or they have to put that on hold. And, yeah, I mean, do will the price of those prices start moderating? Um, you know, like like you were saying, eggs, you know, I noticed yesterday we're down at the grocery store, down a buck. So, so will that, that start moderating? I think it will because of competition. I think there will be low-cost carriers. I do think there will be 
on mobile manufacturers that want to, you know, not necessarily um, start decreasing prices, but maybe providing more for the cars they're making in order to compete. And once you have less demand, those organizations or, you know, those state dealerships or those travel companies don't have a choice but to try to make to provide incentives to their customers. Well, I mean, if you do so that... We're not, we're not there yet, though. And, I, and I, that's what you're saying, and that's what I'm saying. We're not there yet. We're not, we're not, we're not even addressing the... And I'm going to cut this off in a minute, so you have five minutes to talk about stuff. I mean, my, my I said the thing that really roast, roasted me, did roast me a little bit, is, uh, uh, you know, my significant other, Audrey, comes on the show, and she's, I mean, as much as I'll give her grief, as, as you're supposed to to your girlfriend, right? Uh, she's terrific at what she does. <clears throat> and she was doing some rental stuff for people. And uh, I don't know what it's like in Florida. It's got to be some of the same way. The guy wants 2500 for a, for his apartment. Well, he demands... And everybody, not just him, they want pay stubs for like six months or a year, yes. saying you're making seventy five hundred a month. Okay, so hmm, seventy five hundred a month times twelve. Next time I last time I checked, we're talking what eighty five grand, right, or eighty eight grand, which is clearly the top of the food chain. And this is not this is not a, a, a Manhattan apartment. It's a nice place, but it's a regular old neighborhood. Okay, so you're making eighty five hundred a month. So at that level between state and everybody else taxes, they're taking forty percent out of your hide. So now you're down to what F- four forty five hundred. So twenty five hundred of that's going out the door to rent. If you got any kind of a car now, it's a it's a G a month, right? So now you now you got what you're making <clears throat> eighty five hundred a month, and you got fifteen hundred to live on after your car payment and after your apartment. And by the way, your gas bill is going to be two hundred. We're not. Right. I mean. Dan, we're not we're not even on the same planet that people were twenty years ago. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree that the you know you, they're getting squeezed and everything got, has gone up. And you were talking about gas, like gas and gasoline, but what about gas or or water or electricity yeah. in terms of your apartment? You know, I mean, those all those um, have gone up as well. So I do believe that this squeeze, if you will, is going to impact more and more people. And this is part of what I think the Fed is trying to do, although I'm not sure they're doing it necessarily in the right way, but they are doing it with consistency and with credibility. They're doing what they're saying they're going to do, and there will be a point where there has to be more stabilization in price, but that's not going to come until we continue to see a contraction. And it's only going to be, again, if you you do believe in in, in economics and, and supply and demand, I think as... Demand softens, which it will at some point. Then we're going to start seeing more um, price stabilization. I just wanted to be but effective. No question, that's an yeah. issue. Affordability was an issue before COVID. It's 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 actually an even bigger issue today. Well, I mean, I guess the, what we're if, anybody, if we've lost anybody, which we probably have, I always do. Well, you don't you don't dump three and a half trillion dollars on your balance sheet in two years and think you're going to fix it by taking off twenty billion a month. Right. I, I mean, I mean, I don't I don't see how that. I don't want to take it back as much as they put it in because that's going to cause nothing but problems. But I don't know if this is a solution either, Dan. Anyway, what are the good ones you found this week? Yeah, so so actually first to pat myself on the back, and not only about <clears throat> the Chiefs winning, but, um, uh, well, <clears throat> Richardson Electronics, which is the name that I've been, um, uh, you know, that I've mentioned uh, over the last month, uh, they popped yesterday. They were up another 7%. For those people who have it, 
who have followed along with us, um, I would lighten up a little. That's that our, this is R-E-L-L. Right? Position because it's a, a really nice rally since we recommended it. It's R-E-L-L, R-E-L-L, Richardson Electronics, the Illinois-based manufacturer of, you know, cathode rays and microwave tubes and and a lot of the... The components of uh, things that are going into clean energy these days. See, Dan, you're not. You're not a very well-run company, old family business, small. Dan, you're not a you're not a new a new age investor. You're up seven percent. It means you're it's going as as on its way to tripling. You can't say lighten up after seven. You got to say I was right in the first place. It's it's tripling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you know. I think that you know. My that again is sort of the more conservative. You know, way of investing, especially when you're in these small and micro cap stocks, is just kind of like turn a little, just to you know, capture a little bit of that that um, that upside. I don't know that it's. I mean, I still think there's certainly more upside coming, but that's um, but that's just a you know one story. The two other names that we've been mentioning consistently: SVC, which is Service Corp, which is a REIT um, that's been called, and the bonds were trading at a discount, so. Call date is March 8th, um, so you've had a nice pop there. Um, that's been one of our larger positions, and we're happy that we're getting cash at a time when rates are higher um, to reinvest. And then ADT, which is the security company, the home security company, uh, just announced a partial call, but it was like 85% call um, on uh, Tuesday, and uh, that was another nice bounce. So the bonds were trading at you know, 90-something, and now they're at, you know, they're going to be taken away at par. When a bond is called early, as long as it's trading below par, which these two bonds were, that's going to give you a nice little pop and some nice upside. And it's not a bad time to be getting cash in when rates are higher. Or when yeah, stock why rates are, they, are lower. Why are they calling? So it's a good time to be getting cash in. In terms of new ideas from here, um, I will say again, just on the T-bill side, uh, the August 17th T-bill, um, we were buying them at 5% uh, yesterday, so it's basically exactly a seven, uh, an exactly a six-month um, T-bill. Um, it's off the run, which means it's not, you don't go to the auction to buy that, you actually buy it in the secondary market. We talked about um, a couple of other names, Compass Minerals as a bond um, that matures in 2024. It's uh, four and seven eighths of, of seven fifteen twenty four. Um, this industry, we're actually doing more homework on. I'm actually going to a, a, a mines and money conference in Miami next uh, week to uh, meet with a number of these um, uh, developers and explorers of, of the you know gold, silver, um, you know copper. All the metal companies will be there. Um, so that's an industry that I think is worth keeping an eye on. But that specific bond is now giving you 7% for about a one-and-a-half-year maturity. And then we also talked about um, Amerigas, APU, 5 and 5 eighths of 5-20-24. So this is uh, the company that does propane. So you see their propane tanks. Um, again, you're getting about 7%, one-and-a-half-year, you know, money-good um, bonds. And so these are a couple of corporate bond ideas that I think will... Um, you know, they're adding, you know, taking into the 7% range, um, and we're, but yet you're still staying, staying very short. Uh, there's, you know, we are looking at some other names, and one thing I mentioned last week as well to keep an eye on are taxable munis. 
so not not when you're trying to to protect yourself or you know from paying taxes, federal or state, but taxable munis actually trade um, more like corporate bonds, and you can buy AAA and AA uh, in the range of six percent for a relatively short term. Um, so that's a nice way of diversifying your portfolio, adding a little bit of yield. Um, Dan, we're gonna and, have to we're gonna have to dash you know, here. What do you? Uh, a lot of good stuff. One of these days, you're going to come out and say you want to buy bonds in the Bears Stadium. Uh, yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> actually, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's hope. Let's hope it's not a. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Dan, Dan, thank you very much. Really good stuff. But uh, talk at you next week. Have a nice weekend. SP Futures not wow down 31. We said the PPI number came out. We had some uh, jobless claims. We have all that when we come back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now. Hello, everybody. Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alman. We're on the board. SP Futures down 29. Uh, NASDAQ was down 107 as the PPI came out. Minus 0.7 versus, I mean, positive 0.7 versus positive 0.4 expected. We had housing starts down 4.5 versus 2.1. So kind of not some good numbers, either the CPI the other day or the PPI right now. So it's taking our, 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 stock, our stock prices down a little bit. Well, the rest of our stuff is not going to catch up here. So Eddie, why don't you do traffic, weather, sports, and I'll come back to this other stuff. 
if you can. I can do that. Uh, coming up on 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, we're looking uh, pretty quiet still on the area expressways, roadways, and tollways. Uh, we do have a new crash on the Dan Ryan. Looks like outbound side just before 75th Street. We have a crash blocking the two right lanes, and that's causing some serious congestion heading outbound on the uh, Ryan I-94 there uh, from downtown. So keep that in mind. But earlier crashes on the Bishop Port are all clear. We do have traffic building steadily on the uh, Stevenson and the Eisenhower, and we uh, just has, uh, have an alert here, slow traffic on the ramp to the outbound Eisenhower from the uh, Tri-State. No accidents to report, but it looks like a heavy delays in that area. If you're coming in on the Kennedy, traffic is building because we had an earlier crash on the inbound side just before Harlem. That crash has been cleared, but we're seeing heavy traffic volumes on the Kennedy. Eden's looking decent in both directions. Same for Lakeshore Drive. No weather yet, uh, but weather is coming later on today. It'll be, uh, depending upon where you are, a rain or snow mix um, beginning later on this morning and lasting throughout the afternoon. We'll reach a high of 36. Right now it's overcast and 34 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 61 today. Right now it's clear and 36. In sports, Bulls lost to the Pacers 117-113. to They're back in action tonight at home against Milwaukee. Suns were off. They'll host the Clippers tonight. Blackhawks were blown out by the Maple Leafs 5-2. Coyotes beat the Lightning 1-0. College Hoops, Northwestern topped Indiana 64-62. The Wildcats are second place in the Big Ten right now. And lastly, the Bears made it official purchasing that property that was once uh, Arlington Park. Cheap. 197 mil. It's a real number. So one of the interesting reasons why I think this thing is, uh, John, are you with us? I am, Tom. Good morning. Uh, have, you, have you poured through the uh, PPI number and ready to report? <laughs> no, I'm just, I've taken your numbers about it on faith. It doesn't sound encouraging. Well, well the thing that's a little weird is uh, for the last month or so, I mean, uh, anecdotally, you've been hearing that the prices for uh, goods are, are abating a little bit. And I think a lot of people are sort of seeing that. I mean, some of the stuff you buy, eggs, chicken, gas, has come down a little bit. And with the price of services, everybody's talking about how they're going up. These numbers come up exactly the opposite. They got the price of goods last month up 1.2%, and the price of services only up 0.4%. So it's pretty much exactly the flip on what um, people have been sort of anecdotally reporting. Now, if that if that's part of the reason why the mar- it's, it's shocking the market down 36 points here, I think it probably is because I think everybody, even me, was under, was under the impression that the that the services was catching up. For those, we do this every month, and it's in the, in the PPI number. The, the, the well, in the in the CPI number, the split is between not the split, but there, there's food and energy, and then there's all the rest of the stuff, rent and everything else. And it, those are the kind of the two categories. Doesn't I mean they split them that way just because that's the halfway point down the down the graph. But now in the, in the producer side, they split out uh, reports separately is a better term on goods and on services and for a long period of time in the last couple of years as inflation has been running up the goods side has been racing way ahead of the of the services side and the goods side people think leaks into the cpi more than the services in other words if if you're if you're pti securities uh or you're a law firm or you're something or you're maddie weber's firm doing whatever you know internet internet uh, security or whatever your services have gone up 0.4%. Yet all the costs of paper and all the other stuff, rent and everything, to you is up 1.2%. So it really, it really says that if you're in, if you're in business providing services, you're kind of losing. Sort of like, sort of like people that are employed. You know, if you get up, if you get a 
you know, increase on the urine inflation is eight, you're 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 at, you're going backwards. So that's kind of where I interpret this, and I think that's the reason for this kind of shock to the market here, John. Not just the number uh, being 0.7 versus 0.4, but the distribution of it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I, what's your take on the relationship between you know price of services and other things having to do with goods? So if it, when you start factoring in the cost of maintaining an automobile or, or owning an automobile, let alone maintaining it or insuring it, as part of somebody's services. So, I mean, if you if you are working for any kind of outfit that has a fleet of cars and has to keep them up and running, um, the cost of, of those goods, you know, which are part of your product or whatever you're selling to, to your customers, um, your services are probably going to have to account for you know, the cost of maintaining those things, and is there a delayed effect in having services rise somewhat after the, the you know the rise in goods has already been apparent? I think uh, the answer to that question, like most answers, are it depends. I mean, if you're if you're in the if the services are part of the goods, I mean, totally part of the goods. In other words, if I if I'm a bread manufacturer and I contract with with Weber's delivery service. And all of a sudden, the price of gas goes up, or something goes up. He has to pay a driver, or the price of the truck goes up. And he says, uh, "Well, you know, instead of four cents a loaf of bread to deliver it, it's now going to be eight. That's that's a direct cost to me in providing bread. So I'm not trying to give a cost accounting lesson, is but now that that's a direct cost. Now, if PTI Securities, if the, uh, you know, we have to get a yearly audit from an outside firm for Finra." If they call up and say, "Well, next year that's going to be fifteen grand versus twelve, that's not a direct cost; that's an indirect cost. So the answer is, it sort of depends on what the services are. I mean, at some point, PTI has to be able to cover that, or we're not in business, right? So it, it will spit into prices at some place. At some point, if if something else doesn't go down, you know, it could be the rent went down, but that's it, not happening either. But you know what I'm saying so. It, it sort of, at the end of the day, Jan, it all makes it there as to how direct it is. Depends on the service. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, are these always kind of in a state of flux? Then, yeah, kind of going, I mean, uh, you know, not necessarily in tandem. But well, you're, you're not going to know. Direct. You're not going to know really. Let's <laughs> say the outrageous cost of legal services until you get sued, <laughs> right? But I mean, but I mean, you're going to have your 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 attorney that you that you use every day to make sure PTI's paperwork is up to snuff and, it, and that your registrations with the state. You, there, there's an ongoing cost to that that I would say is. Sort of a direct cost, you know. If, if you know, if, if somebody sues me for whatever reason, it could be for anything for for for, for landing a softball on their head. That's you know, that's not a direct cost to, of, of provi- providing. Uh, I don't know, can I hit it far enough to land somebody on the head anymore? Maybe I don't think so. But the, uh, but I mean, depends so, on their standing. Yeah, depends. <laughs> could be if they're behind the plate. Yeah, it could be, <laughs> could be to hit with the pitch. Hey, you're supposed to hit that. Uh, <laughs> no, so I mean, it, it, all, it, it sort of depends, Jan. But but the idea that the, the the thought is that the goods flow right through no matter what. I mean, it's you know, and again, that's yeah. So you really don't want to see that side of it because not everything in the PPI flows through to the CPI right away. I mean, clearly, if it's if it's a wholesale price of gasoline, probably you're going to see that right away in your in your you know your hamburger delivery service because the guy's paying for it every day, type of thing. So I mean, it it, it 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 gets slippery and it depends. Uh, how's that for a terrific yeah, answer? That's, that's reasonable. Though. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, 
it's uh you know the market wants i mean to me it looks like it wants to rally uh but we've had some really big rallies off the bottom i mean you can look at you know this one of two ways you can say hey i bought meta at 350 it's still 175 i'm getting my ass kicked or you can say god i got down to 90 and i'm back halfway i mean uh if you'd have done a couple of repair strategies in there you know depending if you had the right person to do them for you like me maybe uh you might have been able to get back a little more than that you know m- might if you picked the right the right strikes so i mean there's stuff stuff you can do but i mean where are we going are we, are we really going back to the money's falling out of airplanes you know type of thing uh, like we were two years ago i mean i don't think so i mean well, i hope not yep. yeah i mean well i mean unless you're underneath the airplane catching it i mean which right. a lot of people did i mean you look at the uh like dan says the amount of travel the amount of uh you know, i have a uh one of my favorite uh, good friend and favorite clients is uh we had a discussion last week, and he says he, he knows a lot of wealthy people, kind of wanders in that area. He goes, my friends have made more money in the last three years than they ever dreamed they could make. People in some, anybody with a lot of fixed asset stuff, maybe commercial real estate in the right area. Uh, he goes, these guys were multimillionaires, now they're literally billionaires. It's that, it's that much of an appreciation. So whenever you dump money in a system, it's, I mean, I use this, you know, really stupid example all the time that if if everybody walked into the Federal Reserve with your Washingtons and you walked out who's on the two dollar bill Jefferson you walked out with a this is, or is it Hamilton no it's Jefferson Jefferson you walk out with, your, with a Jefferson everything would just adjust your salary would be twice as much your the price of bread instead of four bucks would be eight bucks everything would just adjust it wouldn't make any difference to anybody but that's not how, not how inflation works that's why a lot of people as much as they bitch and moan really want inflation it impacts people with, uh, well, in the, in the 70s and 80s, Jan, it impacted people who didn't have fixed assets and didn't have savings, right? So right. the people with savings always got inflation plus. My mom was getting 14% at the, with the local bank. She never, she, inflation never bothered her because they, they had saved up some money, not, not millions or anything, but they, ne- they never got behind. I'm sure your parents were the same way. Uh, now this time, anybody who had their money in the bank for the last three years, has basically lost thirty percent on buying power. It's been, an, an, but if you had some assets, if you had been in the market and you know and didn't let it all run right back down, if you had protected it, or if you have, uh, you know, an apartments for rent in a neighborhood that either didn't go crazy or is coming back, you are you are, you know, you're you're the stallion, right? And yet, you know, and, and we have made the the massive. Flip. I mean, it took 30 years for this kind of a spread between the haves and the have-nots to happen. The first time, now it took three years. Something I noticed, Tom, too, and I'd like your thoughts on it. I, you know, in the run-up in the 80s, you know, when interest rates went sky high and you know, people were struggling, um, there was what I remember as you know being a, a species of wage inflation, um, just in my earning power. That, that I, I noticed significant increases in. Um, you know, in promotions, the people got to the various places I worked at, or when I was changing jobs, I could do pretty well, better than I could have expected to do, say, two or three years before that. Um, there was an uptick in wages overall that was in, in some ways kind of on, on parity with what was happening to the cost of everything else. But I don't see wage inflation now 
as an issue at all. I don't. I don't think there is any wage inflation. You're at least not. Maybe maybe in you know in a, as a cook in a restaurant or something. But it isn't as significant as I remember it being in the eighties. No. and I know we've talked on the show before about how there, there isn't wage inflation, and I agree. But there used to be, and this this is. Uh, I'm going to say, to keep up. Do not take this personally because I know how old you are. Yeah. Uh, you're you're. You're at the age, like I am, unless you were in, involved in it, like I was, because I was doing the math for the people at Pullman. Unless you were involved in it, you're you're convinced that somehow or another, and if you listen to people our age on TV all the time, or, or certainly people younger, they are stone-cold ignorant, I'm not accusing you of that, of the whole system. What they're, what they're catching is the last few years. Okay, when I say that, it really started in the early 70s, probably before that. I mean, if you were to put a, your finger on the day it started, you would say it was the Arab oil embargo, right? Right, 73. But actually, it, it started in 68, when we went off the gold standard and started to increase the money supply to pay for the Vietnam War. So it already had a foothold by the time the uh, oil embargo happened. And it, I mean, inflation, as Milton Friedman said, is always and every time a monetary phenomenon. You don't, if there hadn't been any increase in the money supply along the way, the Arab oil embargo just would have taken gas higher, but something else would have had to go down because you didn't have any more money, no water in the pool. You know, if you push down in one area, it's going to pop up somewhere else. So what ended up happening over a period of time, what you and I remember, I mean, if I wasn't doing the stuff for Pullman, what you and I remember is the 79 to 82 part when the unions had finally said, after 10 years, enough. We're not doing a contract without a cost of living adjustment. We're not. We're, we're sp- uh, certainly on the, on the on the employee unions. Really, every other union did. The steel workers at, at Pullman all had them. Everybody had them. Every union had them. And uh, so the last year or two, when Volcker had kind of snuffed out inflation, uh, you know, draconian measures, which I don't know, I'm so sure if he had to do over again, he would need to do it to that extent. But he did it that way. The, the last year or so. I think because we've seen in the CPI this time, it's a lagging indicator. The last year or two, when they were still talking about there being inflation, you and I, and Dr. J, a buddy of mine, and he still is, uh, talked about, what are they doing? There isn't any inflation. Yet it was coming through to CPI, so I was still giving people raises, or I was gone from Pullman, but people were still giving people raises after there really was any inflation. So the last year or two, I think the COLA increases people got actually were higher than the inflation numbers. Okay, now, two things. One is, everybody wasn't in a union. I wasn't. I was management. So when the union was getting 10% COLA increases and 3% productivity increases, I was topped out at 5 because management got from 3 to 5. So my boss said, you're one of our best guys. We're giving you 5. And I was like the... The, the seemingly pregnant girl in Caddyshack tanks for nothing. You know, I'm like, you know, he said he, he, said he was going to marry her, and she goes, tanks for nothing? <laughs> well, I mean, okay, five. You, ju- you just, inflation last year was 13%. You just dropped me eight, you, <laughs> you, you bump. You know, it, but so not, not everybody participated. Right. And, and I mean, there, there were, I was, I was in the, the private sector in those years and you know in and out of management positions and if you weren't in management you had a lot better it seems oh absolutely without a doubt so i'm saying you you probably caught the last three or four years of the inflation slash volcker antics 
And and I'm going to say those three years, your cost of living increases actually were higher than the, than the real inflation. But right now, if you got inflation based on what the last three years, they've got inflation at what, 5%. There's no way you're keeping pace with that number. But now, maybe this year, if they actually choke it off a little bit, and the CPI is running through, and they decide to flow through some of these rent numbers from the ridiculous numbers they are now, you could have a CPI number a year from now that comes out at 1% a month because they actually fixed the numbers. But by the way, there isn't any anymore. So if you have a coal increase, which not many people have, you actually can, can gain on it that month. But we're not there yet, and maybe won't get there ever. But I'm saying it's all about where you are in the system. But did the, anybody who thinks that from the 68 to 82 fiasco, that at the end of the day, workers beat management. I got news for you. You're wrong. Oh, no. In the, in the big picture, not at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not even close. So, but people, I remember the, the conversations that the people were having were as if they were riding some kind of a crest. And, of course, you know, maybe it, if you looked, chopped it up into little segments of time and looked at it without regard to anything else, it looked like you were doing okay and doing better than you expected to. But in the long run, you took a huge hit. Yeah, I, w- I would bet that the people who got hired at Pullman after I left, uh, I left in uh, maybe 80, or maybe late 79, early 80, but the people who stayed there the next two years to run off the rest of the contract before they shut it down, I'm going to say those two years, those people probably were at least even maybe ahead of the inflation game. Probably ahead of the inflation game. But if, if they'd been there since, since 68, they weren't. Not even close. It probably took five, six years for the unions to even realize they asked for it. And how, how, many, how many contracts? We talked about it, God, a few months ago. We ran it, and Caterpillar had just come out with a new contract. And John Deere, and they were going to get what three uh, percent or four percent raise per year over the next five years. Well, thanks for nothing. If there's no coal in that, you're not even keeping pace, right? Now, if, if if we keep doing this, if the Fed keeps doing this, which I don't think they're going to, next time, three years from now, I gotta believe you hire somebody like me to walk in and say, "Hey, buddies, if there's no coal in this thing, we're walking out of the room right now. We're going to strike tomorrow." I mean, I can't believe, maybe there is, I didn't read the whole contract, I can't believe there's not a cost of living increase in there. There better be, or else whoever negotiated should be fired tomorrow or yesterday. Do you agree or not? I mean, oh, yeah, but I, you know, those are not fashionable anymore at all. I mean, well, the but contracts I mean, that I worked on in, in faculty negotiations, cost of living, that's, that was never even on the table. Well, that but been rejected out of hand. I'll tell you what, the and last... You got a, three, a 3% raise for, you know... Over say you know three percent roughly per per year in the three year contract you were flying high although you weren't flying high financially if, if you, but you thought boy we really got you know everything and more than we ever expected to in this contract but how how idiotic that looks now in retrospect when you, when you see the, these kind of raises don't I it, don't, yeah, don't even your head above water if if I was doing one of those things today and I was I was on the lead for the for the for the worker side. I'd, I'd, be tired I'd, I'd, I'd walk in and have a big sign in the middle of the table. If you're not even, if you're not going to have a cost of living increase, we're not even going to get coffee. Get the hell out of here. I mean, I wouldn't. It would be an absolute non-starter for me because I don't trust the Fed to to uh, to fight this as well as they should. I don't know how you recapped the last three years. I don't think you do. I mean, there's no way you're getting that back. Yeah, I think that's just water under the bridge. I, but I, I just can't see management ever going for that at all in any shape or well, form. I mean, they're, they're, they're afraid of this as oh, you know, people on the other side of the table. Do not, um, do not take this they, they see that this, this, is, this is just going to be 
a non-starter if you don't like it. Well, do not, we're not going to give that. But. Do not do not take this personally. Bull bleep to them. <laughs> I mean, Pepsi this week. We we did fine because we're raising prices. Coke a month ago. We did fine because we're raising prices. They know they these these guys don't get to that to that level without it's me talking to you and you know this stuff. We're just bantering back and forth. Don't don't think for a second that the head of Pepsi realizes that he's raised his price more than he's raised his wages. I mean, if he doesn't, he's he's, he's the dumbest manager ever, and I'm sure he's not. That's what he's been hired to do. That's what he's been hired to do. I mean, what, I mean, it's these people that love these guys and think they're, I mean, come on. I mean, give me a break, right? I mean, the idea that, that I mean, uh, who, was, who was the one the other day? So they were able to raise prices. They came out, their, their earnings are flying by, by so fast. But that's what they're doing. You and I, Jan, we said this five years ago. The, the companies you want to be involved in are the ones that can raise prices faster than their inputs go up. Procter & Gamble. And you split, the, 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 the baby formula places. Do you think for a second they're, they're lagging? There's only four of them. It's a cartel. They're not lagging, I don't think. If they are, they're the dumbest guys on earth. And yeah, they're all rising pretty much at the same rate. Yeah. You know? So because they're all in cahoots. I mean, you think with the, with you, in the last? First of all, I don't know if you how much more you go out to restaurants, but you know I do quite a bit. Uh, I'm going to say that the price of chicken has dropped 25 percent in the last month, and the price of the fajitas at my favorite Mexican restaurant is not going down a drip. Uh, you don't think those guys don't realize? Wow, this 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 box of chicken breast that used to cost me a hundred bucks is down to sixty. Maybe I'll run in and it'll lower the price of heat. Is not <laughs> right. But I I will when all of a sudden somebody says to me, "The fajita joint down the block just dropped theirs. You better drop yours, or I'm going down there." The, the term "sticky" comes to mind, doesn't it? Yep. I'll tell you, you know, the, the tipping scandal, I, I, I don't know what else to call it, but the idea that now you can't really get any services, even in a fast food restaurant, without being asked what kind of tip you're going to leave, and, you know, all the way from 10% to, you know, custom, you can give whatever size tip you want, which may mean you give 1%, too. But I, I've seen places now that just immediately lock in a 30% surcharge as a kind of gratuity for a glass of wine. I mean, come on. Yeah. What kind of, what is the, the, the thinking behind that kind of tipping? What, what, it has nothing to do with service anymore. It, you know, the energy it takes to pour out a glass of wine or open a can, which is now more likely, that's worth 30% of the price of the, the thing itself. Yeah, I've never seen 30, but they, they put 20 on in some places. And uh, But then again, you, you know, our, our, our favorite places, we have our favorite people, you know, so... We don't, we don't, we don't mind, you know, doing that. But that, that's different. I mean, why, why do I do, why do I need to do a tip at a Dunkin' Donuts for three thirty for a cup of coffee? I mean, really? No, or I, even yeah. if it means taking, you know, a, a item of food from the kitchen out to a table, you know, where, where it's yeah. being bussed, and maybe you don't have to bust your own, you know, garbage afterwards. But even so, is this to what extent is the customer subsidizing, you know, oh, a wage huge. increase? God knows who actually receives this in the end. Of course, a lot of these things are pooled. I doubt if the individual servers ever get thirty percent. Well, we we always drop cash on the servers, so we're we're pretty snide with it. Yeah. But see, it's the only way that you can actually trace it back to the people who did something for you. Oh, without make a doubt, sure that they they know you were that you appreciated it. Jamie, we won't see you the next Thursday because we uh, President's Day is Monday. No show. We'll see you Thursday, if not before. Wow. On a personal level, SP futures down forty five, Nasdaq futures down one seventy three. By the way, you missed another Wednesday caucus. Solve all the problems of the world, Tom? Uh, 
not really because a couple of the guys were so so intent on the Marquette game that the conversation was kind of lagging a little bit. But that was okay. It was a great game. We'll, we'll, we'll back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Have a good holiday. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.